Peter Sherman with you. And um, I'm thinking um, in line with the uh, the next topic I want to introduce about uh, my own life as you think about your life. You think uh, if, if you're uh, an adult with children about living your life as best you can and trying to put away something so that when you're not around anymore, your kids get the benefit of that. That's what most people think these days. Why? Because kids don't earn money fast enough or can't save fast enough given the prices and so forth of things that um, they're not going to get the chance. I mean, we've we've heard this um, this often repeated saying, you know, this is the first generation, the millennials of today, that are not going to live as well as their parents did. And their parents are in the process now living out the latter part of their lives. You know, um, my, my kids are in that category and I am in the latter category. It doesn't mean I'm going to croak anytime soon. I, I hope I have another 20 or maybe 30 good years left, but that still means there's a lot further, um, a lot less to go than there is back behind me. So I do think of what can I leave my kids and my kids are thinking, not my kids per se, but our kids as a whole are apparently thinking about inheritance as we go forward. And joining me on the line is uh, Rubina Ahmed Haq, who uh, often is a guest uh, here because she's uh, one of our experts on the economy and the use of money and so forth. Tell me a little bit about this phenomenon. What are our millennials expecting, Rubina? Well, the expectation is that they will inherit some money from their parents. I think most people do have some expectation of that. Um, the sum obviously is different from family to family. One thing for sure is that there is going to be one of the biggest uh, exchanges of money in the next generation when baby boomers die off and then the Gen Xers and the millennials inherit that money ever. I mean, it's in the trillions of dollars and, and that could mean, you know, a lot of money for people who have been thinking, how am I going to fund my retirement? How am I going to afford a home? So they might be looking towards the fact that their parents own a home that's worth now one and a half million dollars that they bought in the seventies for 80,000. And if they inherit that, that's going to solve their problems. But TD bank has come out with this survey saying that even whether the inheritance there is there or not, most millennials, are choosing to manage that money, regardless of the sum, on their own. They're doing their DIY when it comes to money management, and that poses a whole host of problems, especially if you're dealing with large sums of money. Interesting you say that. I wrote a book a couple of years ago uh, called Millennials Boomer Bust, and obviously it was a play on words, and one of the things I found in my research was that millennials didn't trust the uh, old line institutions. So where you and I might have said, well, you know, mom and dad used the Royal Bank or TD or whatever it happened to be, they go, ah, no, don't think so. I can do this myself. So the bank is a repository, but their money management, their financial planning, all of it, uh, for the most part, is their own. Is that a good idea? I think it's an excellent idea. I think that there is something to be said for people managing their own money. Uh, I wouldn't recommend that you do it without any knowledge whatsoever. If you know that you're going to be inheriting inheriting a, a large sum of money, you should have a plan in place. You should do your research. There's so many resources available online if you are going to go the DIY route. Um, speaking with a money manager, you you have to know exactly what you're getting into. You have to know their fees. You have to know what the commitment is. You have to know exactly what kind of service they're going to provide. Often when you go to a big bank and you sit across the desk, uh, the service that they are providing, you can probably figure it out on your own going onto the computer and doing your own research and figuring out how you want to invest your money. The problem is, is that many people are managing their money without doing the work. 
And that's when you get into a problem where they don't know exactly how to invest. They don't know how to be tax efficient. They don't know how to invest according to their age. And then they start losing money and they start wondering how they're going to fix that problem. So if you are this group of people who might inherit cash in the future and you just have decided to do the DIY approach, I highly recommend that you start reading books, researching, speaking to the right people, maybe even making an appointment with a financial advisor, at least to get the right information, and then you could go and make those decisions. Absolutely. There are, there are people in every bank branch who are called the financial planner, not saying you have to go and invest with them, but they'll tell you about what a balanced portfolio is, why you should have some of this and some of that and some of those, and what uh, a reasonable expectation is in terms of percentage return. Let me bring you back to the, uh, the issue of boomers and inheritances. The baby boomers, I think we all know, at this point were are the largest cohort that ever moved through society in the history of the world and now of course not surprisingly people over 60 are the largest cohort in our society because that's who we're talking about when we talk about boomers the problem that uh, that besets boomers from everything i'm looking at is that uh, all these ads we see for reverse mortgages use your house and extract its value so you can live the reason that's so popular is that uh, it's the same people especially at the older reaches like 70 75 80 years old who planned well but then 08 09 came along and robbed them of a lot of uh, their nest egg which means less for inheritance less to live on and now they're living on the house yes yeah i mean there is always opportunity whenever there is financial crisis so these reverse mortgages which i have for decades said are a bad idea uh, they don't uh they don't give you the kind of financial freedom that they sort of tout that they're going to give the interest rate i think this is the number one thing that people should realize is that when you get a reverse reverse mortgage the interest rate on that mortgage is going to be higher than if you just went and simply refinanced your home where you'd have a lot more control over the money that you're taking out and how how you have to pay it back. I think reverse mortgages are really a last resort situation. And also, if you don't want to leave any financial legacy, you truly don't want to leave any inheritance to anybody behind, and you want to spend all that money that's uh, the equity in your home, go for it if you think that that's the best for you. But please read the fine print. There's a lot of um, information available. On, I'll tweet out a link from uh, the Financial Consumer Agency's website about reverse mortgages and the things to look out for in their contracts. Um, but there are other ways. I mean, downsizing is an excellent way to, to, get, to get money out of your home. You buy a smaller home, you immediately have some cash in hand that you can then invest into maybe a GIC or something that's more conservative, and that's going to give you a little bit of income. It's also going to guarantee your principal doesn't go away. Uh, those are better options, in my opinion, than reverse mortgaging your home. Okay, let me jump subjects while I have you on the line because we got about 60 seconds, and I know that you're a great speaker and can put this into 60 seconds. In the last 24 hours, we have heard uh, alcohol companies making gigantic investments into the cannabis space. Second Cup saying it might convert its Ontario coffee shops, or at least some of them, to cannabis stores on a retail basis, since that's what we're now looking at in Ontario. Uh, is all of this uh, working for you? Is this a good idea? Well, we know that cannabis is going to be legal starting in October, mm-hmm. and companies know that there is a massive market here, and it's not just with young people smoking weed in their dorm room. There is a well- health and wellness market here. There is a market here for medicinal purposes. There's a market here for just general things you can use uh, for your uh, like creams and lotions. 
um, they want to get in. And so there is definitely Second Cup is smart in saying we might be able to provide you with a service where you could get a drink. doesn't necessarily give you any high or euphoria, but it has a cannabis um, element in it that might make you feel relaxed. And so they want to get in on the ground floor. Um, the fact that a big alcohol company is putting billions of dollars into canopy and wanting to uh, see where they can develop products there shows that there is serious interest from serious companies. And um, I think five years from now, we're going to kind of laugh at the fact that we thought this was something very, uh, you know, uh, controversial. It's going to be something that's very mainstream. Well, it's going to be part of the landscape. There's no question about it. Rubina, thank you. Okay, thank you. Okay, we'll watch this, and uh, we'll talk to Rubina, I'm sure, often again. Rubina Ahmed Haq, she takes care of the uh, economy and uh, investments and uh, those sorts of things. When we have questions on it, she has the answers. I am Peter Sherman. This is The Oakley Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.